Hello and thanks for joining us on the Writers' Meeting with Dr. Michael Eitman. Hello, hello. So we have a few current topics that we'd like to ask about, and our first topic for today, the Mufti Khajamin al-Husseini. A few questions. There's a new documentary about the Mufti Khajamin al-Husseini, who became an ardent partner of the Nazi ideology and ally of Hitler. He poisoned Arab society with pure anti-Semitism that continues to this day. He's considered the father of Palestinian terror. He dictated a new law, and um, he's the one who uh, instated the pretext Al-Aqsa is in danger and incited masses of Arabs to go out and slaughter Jews. And the question is, do you think that there are people in the world that if they were not born, history would look different towards Jews and in general? I'm not making these kinds of calculations. You can't. To begin with, the world is divided into people that are in favor and against, and all of us are in certain struggles between them, calculations to the measure to which they understand or don't, and the excuses that they give. It doesn't matter. No one takes into consideration the justice of the other or that he's doing wrong or what. These are all things that there is no need to scrutinize them altogether. Because what I want, I think that it's correct, and that's how it's supposed to be, and whoever's against, then to that degree, he's wrong, etc., etc. It's politics. <clears throat> These are things that there's no point in searching for any kind of truth or justice in them. But it's clear that the leader of Arabs will be against Jews, and that's how it's also supposed to be among Jews, that the Jewish leader is against the Arabs. I mean, each fights for himself, for his justice, for his people, etc., so, there's no need to scrutinize who's right and who's not. Everyone's right in their own thing. So, if someone says, were it not for that mufti that existed in that period in history, Arabs and Jews would live in coexistence in Israel today, it's incorrect to look at things that way. I don't think so. That Jews came and wanted to settle down on Arab soil for him. You don't need anything else besides that. That already is enough in order to hate and enact jihad, etc. When actually did it happen that the Islam that's not violent in essence was became something very extreme in relation to Jews? First of all, I don't think that Islam was not violent. That's how it always was for hundreds of years. They killed and destroyed and really cleaned the area of anyone who is not a member of Islam. We have historic proof that you can't deny. But I can't say that they're wrong. Everyone's right in their own thing. 
When will we have some kind of common truth? When will there be closeness between Muslims and Jews by root? According to the roots, we can't be close, we can't be friends, unless we come closer to the upper forest that dwells upon everyone, and then we will cover the world with a canopy of canopy of peace. This is the only way that we can reach peace, wholeness, perfection. But if we keep doing our thing without the upper force, and they keep doing their thing, then that's how it's going to stay. I don't see any other solution for it. Before the before World War II started, the Mufti came to Germany. Um, he was received as a king. The Mufti and Hitler understood each other very well. He was also uh, he had megalomania. He wanted to lead the Arab nation. What was special about their relationship back then? From what I understand, they had the same direction, same method, which is to erase Jews off the face of the earth. And therefore, this ideology needs to be accepted upon both of them, and that both of them can see themselves as partners on that path. There was nothing between them that they could argue about. What's the difference between the types of ideology, between the hate that comes from Islam and the hate that comes from Europe or Christianity? Christianity itself is ideologically against Jews. And also, it's an ideology that many times incited Christians against Jews and all the Crusades, Crusade Wars. There were such everywhere in the world. When I was in England, in Europe, in many places, uh, I discovered there places where Jews were murdered, burned, in their synagogues, where they used to put the Jews in there and burn them. There are several such places in England. Meaning, these are things that exist. Uh, there's not much we can do about it. We only need to ask why the Creator, uh, the upper force that there is none else besides Him, how is it so that He allows such things to happen? Furthermore, how does He Himself as if participate in it? So unless we study the wisdom of Kabbalah, we don't understand the answer. And the wisdom of Kabbalah explains that the Creator has a plan. He has a plan, and this plan is to bring the entire world to connection and to connection between them and the Creator. And this plan, this method, it exists 
in that part of humanity called Israel. And Israel need to be the first implemented and also to share it with everyone, I mean, publicize it to everyone, help everyone reach that same goal where all of us connect with each other and with the Creator. And if it doesn't happen, if we don't go for it, then if so, we as if act against the Creator's desire and that that force, that plan that exists in nature, it acts against us. And this is what we see for thousands of years. The Creator as if has a certain plan. And the Mufti, he wasn't able to realize his ideas, now, he wasn't able to poison tens of thousands of Jews through the Roshain Springs like he planned to do with the Germans. Is there a reason for which the Mufti didn't succeed to do it on the land, in the land of Israel? How to explain these cases where the Creator enacts something against the Jews and then doesn't work out? Is it luck? No, it's not luck. It's also according to the upper plan of the Creator. By which he dictates the development of the nation of Israel, if not by way of Torah, then by way of suffering, that he brings them closer to correction. And this entire war. Is how to say that's the way of suffering. The destroyer was given permission to act, and that's what happened. And according to the law of creation, this is what might happen in any moment unless we continue the path toward connection. Therefore, we need to make every possible effort to try each and every day to bring ourselves closer to connection, to teach people what does it mean, what is the plan of creation, the purpose of creation, how do we realize it, under what pressure, what force, etc. Okay, moving on to our next item. European countries in support of terror. Less than a year ago, Israel declared the Palestinian organization El Haq a terrorist organization after Israeli Shabak revealed the personal ties between the organization that defines itself as a human rights organization and the popular front of the liberation of Palestine. As a result, the EU stopped funding the organization, but last week the EU renewed funding the organization that just recently initiated a huge petition calling for the elimination of Israel. Following the EU decision, nine European countries announced that they would renew 
new funding the organization that Israel defined as a terror organization. Sweden, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Spain issued a statement that they intend to renew aid for the Al-Haq and other organizations. The argument is that no material has been received from Israel that would justify a re-examination of the policies of those countries. In Israel, of course, they claim the opposite, saying that um, the European governments have received all evidence that these countries that they support support terror. They on purpose ignore materials that show that. Why is it so urgent for European countries to fund these organizations right now? Don't they have someone else to give the money to? It has nothing to do with one another. Unless we advance toward connection according to the conditions that the Creator sets for us in this world, in our world, that we see that there's an option to disseminate the method of connection, why, what for, how is is humanity supposed to come closer to connection between everyone, black, white, red, yellow, doesn't matter who and what. Because my house shall be called shall be called house of prayer for all nations. So, were we to disseminate this purpose, were we to talk about it some more, would this be sounded by Israeli leaders in the UN and everywhere? Then we would have seen a different result. If not then surely from one day to the next, the other side grows stronger and they have what to rely themselves on. And what about us? We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And therefore, all the nations of the world, again and again, turn against us. And more and more. This step they declared, is it against Israel or in favor of the Palestinians or both? No, no, of course, it's always against Israel and in favor of Palestinians or not only Palestinians, in favor of all those organizations that are against Israel. What's their purpose? What does it come to show us? Their goal is to cancel the state of Israel. And altogether, to erase Jews off the face of the earth. There is a very simple thing here. It's either one or the other. If we're calm and we don't mind, and the main thing for us is to live calmly from one day to the next, then by that, we allow all the evil, fascist, anti-Semitic forces to grow and become ever more against us. And it's natural, because anti-Semitism is rooted in the very basis, foundation of the world. It's related to the peak of human ego, that the entire world acts according to the ego until we correct it and invert it into its opposite, which is love and connection. You said that it's either this or that. The choice is between which two exactly? Either we act in favor 
of the connection of the world, to explain to the world what really is its good future, which is only through connection between everyone above all differences, or all the forces of the world, because there's no pressure or explanation on our part, they get strength and go against us. And gladly, all the nations of the world support them. Because anti-Semitism is the peak of the pyramid of the desire to receive, the general ego of humanity. And therefore, it's very easy for anyone to connect to it. In what way is it the peak of humanity's desire to receive? The Creator has created the desire to receive. And this desire to receive is like a kind of pyramid. And against it, there is just one force, opposite force, opposite to this pyramid, called Israel. If all of humanity has a tremendous egoistic force that is willing to get up and fight against Israel, then Israel has only one action that can help them exist and succeed, which is connection with the Creator. And therefore, if Israel is connected or at least aspires for connection with the Creator, then they're at the top of the pyramid and the entire pyramid, egoistic pyramid, beneath them cannot do anything against them. But to the contrary, gradually, gradually, if Israel will act in direction of connection and the dissemination of the plan of creation, then the entire world, by the upper force, will accept it. But if Israel don't do it, then what can you do? Then we're really in a state where, suppose, all the nations that were against all the nations of the world, the egoistic nature, and we have no chance to succeed. Our entire success depends on the connection between us and between us and the Creator. If we act in that direction, and if we don't, then what are we for altogether? Then we exist only in order to suffer, accumulate the power of suffering that so that maybe, nonetheless, in the future, as a result of accumulating all these powers of suffering, we will be able to come to the correct conclusion that we have no choice, but that through our connection will we come to a connection with the Creator, and then we will succeed and that the power of connection between everyone and all of humanity, that this force, that it will defeat the evil forces of separation. When you explain it, it sounds like there's a kind of pyramid and that if Israel makes an effort 
to connect them, they invert the direction of the pyramid. I don't know about that, but the main thing is that at the top of the pyramid, we can be connected with all of humanity, which is the pyramid and the creator that's above it. And when Israel makes an effort to do its role, to connect, Israel needs to connect in order to really be as one man, one heart, and to understand that it, in its connection, connects later on all of humanity to the Creator. What Bala Sulam explains to us at the end of the introduction to the Book of Zohar. So it sounds as though that when Israel makes an effort to connect, it changes the direction in which the world works, right? It's like the same forces act in the opposite direction. Yeah, you can put it that way too. Also in direction of connection, we need to show the entire world, we need to convince the entire world, to show the entire world that our movement needs to be only toward our connection and our connection needs to be aimed at the Creator because from Him come the forces of connection and He is the purpose of connection. So when Israel tried to connect, then they actually caused the forces that exist in the world to act in direction of connection instead of separation. True. In short, the nations of the world, they receive forces through us from above. If we're aimed correctly, they get the correct forces. If we're not, then the opposite. But all the forces, all the connection, it's it comes from the Creator through us. Therefore, we need to pay attention. What are we aiming for? What is our goal? What kind of ties do we have between us, etc.? And of course, once we're not connected correctly, then in that we cause an incorrect connection between us and the Creator, and then the nations of the world have a uh, strong connection, as Bala Sulam also writes in the introduction to the Book of Zohar and in other places, that in the wrong connection between us, we bring all evil to the world. Our next item, the 17th of Tammuz. Shelly, please. This week begins the 17th of the month of Tanmuz, one of the four days of fasting in Judaism in memory of the destruction of the temple. This is the day that the wall of Jerusalem was breached, and three weeks later, the second temple was destroyed. Uh, according to the Talmud, this is also what happened with the first temple and the same date, and so we're entering a period called Ben Ametzarim, during which religious people uh, practice customs of mourning. How should we relate to the shattering today, to the destruction? 
as it says that every day that the temple is not built, it is as though it's destroyed. Meaning that now, too, we are in a time of destruction. And the destruction isn't that some kind of stone building was destroyed, but that the connection between us was destroyed. That needs to be as a house, as a clay, in which we will discover the Creator. And we do not build it. We do not build it. We don't keep the connection between us. We don't care about it. And therefore, that's the situation. That's the situation. What can you do? Do the math. Do self-scrutiny. What's up with us? How long will we be so deaf without seeing the future? And what are we preparing for ourselves and our kids? which can really happen more and more. And we see how all the nations of the world again and again are willing to sacrifice Israel. And it doesn't seem to us so because we don't see how things are in the field, meaning the network of forces. But we nonetheless need to understand that these forces that are against us They are in the hands of the nations of the world and they will be glad to do it because the worse we we are, the better off they are because we're in two opposite directions in nature. It's either them or us. If we want for all of us to have it good, we need to connect. And to connect, you can do only by the power of bestowal. And the power of bestowal, the force of bestowal, can come to all of us only if we turn to the Creator. And only the people of Israel can turn to the Creator in a way that we will receive the forces of connection from Him and bring them to the nations of the world. Then, as it says that the nations of the world will see that the Creator does good things for the people of Israel. But in the meantime, we do not want to acknowledge our role. It's a problem. What exactly was destroyed in the connection and the the previous connection that we had, nonetheless, among Jews? Jews, nonetheless, well, it wasn't ideal, maybe, but... Still, and when it disappeared, we became a broken vessel. Is it kind of a conduit that when Jews are connected, there's a kind of conduit going between them and now it's broke? The broken? Yeah, yeah. We can't bring abundance to the world. The nations of the world feel that we're living among them for thousands of years and are actually bring bad things to them on a daily basis. They have this inner feeling that we're not bringing any good to the world, even though that we can. And why don't we care about the shattering anymore? Ask yourself. In the past, were Jews more concerned with it? There were times sometimes. But the recognition that it all depends on us is something that does not exist in Israel at all, in religious, seculars, and no one. 
And we do need to bring it first and foremost to our mind and heart and then to the rest of the nations of the world. How can we open our eyes to the truth? We need to put pressure, apply pressure to ourselves, read about it more, write about it, understand that this is really what exists at the very foundation of the world, and it is again coming closer and threatening us. Will we have to build a third temple? We need to connect in our heart. And this will be called the third temple. It's not a building that needs to be built someplace in Jerusalem. We see that both temples were destroyed on the same date, the 17th of Tammuz. So on that day, there needs to be established a connection between our hearts. That's called the third temple. So please write about it. What is it that we need to do on the 17th of Tammuz, on the 9th of Av, and to reach the 15th of Av, etc., etc., which is a good date. Thank you. Okay, so one more item about Biden's visit to Israel. In light of Biden's visit to Israel, the media published six new overall plans for Palestinian settlements in Judea and Samaria that include the... legislation of hundreds of illegally built houses and institutions, the building of roads, expansion of existing settlements, Arab settlements, and um, one of the plans uh, even disconnects the Etzion block from Jerusalem. So why are these plans published now in light of Biden's visit? Is this what the U.S. wants from us? What the U.S. wants from us is that things are going to be quiet and that we will aid their international plans and that we have such a government that hands out and gives as if it's no man's land and you can do whatever you want. This we saw before Biden's visit and that's how it's going to continue after his visit. It all depends on the government. And really, we are powerless because of the lack of connection, because of our lack of connection. So our lack of connection brings to our lack of strength, the lack of the justification for the nation of Israel and the land of Israel. And so it's all related. It's uh, due to the lack of connection. If there's no unity in the nation, then there is no nation. We're not like gypsies that can be anywhere in the world, and still, somehow, they keep their culture and what they have. We don't. 
Unless we are connected, then we lose everything. And so that Biden comes and takes from us and gives it on to Arabs, territory and power, etc. It's natural. He doesn't care about it. The main thing is to succeed in his position. And our government doesn't care either because the only thing that they care about is to act out nicely for the time being. What are we getting from the U.S. in return for these plans? I'm not a politician. I don't even know because it's not important to me. I don't think that we get anything altogether. It's not a sale that you get something in return. It's just as a present, and that's that. He takes, and that's it. He comes as the boss, takes from us, gives it to the Arabs. We get in return nothing besides more evil and terror and antifada, etc. Do you think that this is the continuity of the Oslo Accords? Of course. Of course. It comes from Oslo. Is it clear to Israel what the implications of these plans are? Is it clear to Israel? To someone it's clear, to someone it isn't. What is Israel? Whoever wants to open their eyes and see the entire process that is going on with us, then they see that it's all one big deterioration and that things are falling apart and someone who doesn't want to see it, they're glad, they think everything's fine, that Biden's our friend, just like Arafat was, etc., etc. What price will we need to pay as the land of Israel? The price is simple, that all Jews will pack up their bags if they'll be allowed to and leave this place. That's it. How can we agree to something like that? We agree. We agree. It's no wonder that that's how it is. No one gets up. There's no noise about it on the street or anywhere in the news. Nothing. Everything is already as is. We're already in a situation where everything is doomed. So, what is the state of Israel losing by handing out its territories? It loses its sovereignty. Because there is no country without a territory, without land. But it's a result of the connection in the nation of how how much it understands that it belongs to them. The country 
ends, cancels itself far before it physically happens. It's already in spirit. And we are already in a decline. We're divided in spirit and it's also expressed physically. It's that same antalena that's still between us and is growing ever stronger. What future do you see? You're not a fortune teller, but as someone who... The future is in that we will need to... I hope that nonetheless it won't happen, but in this way then we do cancel the state of Israel and we give up everything that is that belongs to it. Territories, or power, everything. Okay. There are other sexes besides male and female. Chaim, please. Yeah, that's what the UN claims. A week ago, the World Health Organization released a new guide for health policy makers after the previous guide came out in 2011. So the updated guide deals mainly with the question of the identity of human sex and states that in light of new evidence that they don't specify, there is, uh, they say that there is a variety of species, not only male and female. The organization tends not only to provide information, but also to assist in the assimilation of these ideas by health policymakers in the various countries. According to the laws of nature, are there really other species besides male and female? In nature, go to nature, inquire, and see. All in all, according to our bodies, we're animals. So uh, it says that the UN determines that according to scientific evidence that they don't explain which, that besides male and female, there are other species in nature. So first of all, as a person who's familiar with nature, do you think that there are other sexes in nature besides male and female? No. According to the wisdom of Kabbalah, that is actually the basis, the foundation of all wisdoms, sciences. There is, there's only male and female. There's no more than the creator and the created being. Adam and Eve, etc., etc. That's all there is. Everything else, all other phenomena that we see in nature, it is, these are intermediate phases that are maybe not of one or another species, but as a mix of the two, but not that they exist in nature. In a, let's call it, normative way that they have a steady place. But it's like with illnesses. There are different states in which a person is in between. Therefore, we can't say that besides male and female, there is some other sex. But these are irregular states, but you can't say that it's a healthy state or a natural one. 
So actually, what's going on here? How could it be that the World Health Organization decides something like that? All these organizations, regardless which, are all a result of the human state. And humanity is in a state in which it can decide whatever for different reasons, political reasons, economic, it doesn't matter which. And if it's good, it is. If it's not, it isn't. I want to be prime minister now. Then I give a green light to the colorful, to the gays and lesbians, to whoever. It doesn't matter what. The main thing is that with their help, I can raise my rating. So there's no real scientific matter here. According to science, there are only two species. That's all that nature needs, only two. So what do they want to achieve through this confusion that they instill in people? I don't understand. What people want to discover and attain, that's clear. But what are you asking? It's not just so that the World Health Organization decided so, but the the Secretary of the UN, he publicizes it. So not only that the UN declares it, but also... They want to instill it through policy, healthcare policymakers. They want to show that they're pluralists that are willing to accept different opinions and that they're willing to include in their organization everyone, including everyone. But that's really true. That's how they want for things to be, and therefore they're making room for everyone. Color, every form, shape, everything. If it is related to the human species, then we accept it. That's their direction. Sorry for insisting, but it seems like if they'd like to include everyone, no problem. But here, not only that they're saying that everyone's invited, but they're as if declaring about a change in nature. That's my question. It's like they're trying to change the way people think, the perception of reality of people. Of course. Of course. Later, they'll change your passport, your ID card, Well, where it will state not male or female, but... I don't know how many, six, seven species you'll have there. In American passports, uh, today you can choose male, female, or other. Other. I choose other. What do they get? It's better, it's more convenient. That's it. What I don't get is, why do they want to change people's perception of reality, that people will start, stop thinking that there's male, female, man, woman, to open it to everyone. That's what it's called. To open it to everyone. And from all of this pluralism, what does it do to humanity? Where, is it, where does it take it? To show people 
how much they got confused and seeing us for who we are. And what will that eventually lead us to? To the recognition of evil. To the recognition of evil. Meaning that we will later start seeing that we've reached some kind of dead end and that it's not to our benefit to start determining ourselves how many species there are in nature, sexes. And then what will happen to humanity? That everything depends on education. Everything depends on education. We have no doubt that today there are um, gay people and the third sex and there are such. And among us in Israel, but the question is, to what measure do we accept these things? And how do we, and the, to what measure do we correctly relate to these things? And that we nonetheless raise our offsprings in the right direction, because it all depends on habit and education. You can take any child and turn them into something else, especially that today, you have different chemical substances and pharmacology, etc., etc. So, maybe more from a spiritual direction. Where does humanity's occupation with their sexual identity come from all of a sudden? The desire to receive that wants to enjoy in different forms, even in states where it can no longer enjoy correctly, naturally, then it invents different other forms for itself. Humanity invents it. The main thing is to provide to the desire to receive, which is our entire nature, the will to receive, the desire to enjoy, to provide different fulfillments for it, regardless what. The main thing is that nonetheless, we will feel the pleasure Pleasure is the entire power of life. Thank you. How will the good come after the recognition of evil, after humanity will acknowledge that there are not many sexes in nature, but there are clear and determined rules and laws? What good will there be then? It is the revelation of good that we're talking about, that our connection needs to bring us such a fulfillment that's called good. The revelation of the Creator, only that. Only that is good. Good that does good, etc. But nothing else will satisfy us. Therefore, all these things will disappear off the face of the earth. And it's only temporarily that they exist in order for us to acknowledge how empty they are, and for us to move on. 
נעבור לאייטם הבא שלנו, פער דתי בזוגיות. בישראל יש כ-45... In Israel, next item, in Israel there are about 45,000 couples with a religious gap, meaning what? That suddenly, all of a sudden, a sudden one of them becomes religious or stops being religious. You know, suddenly they observe the Shabbat or stop doing it or start eating kosher or stop eating kosher. 45,000 such couples in Israel. What's your advice for these mixed couples? Do they stay together or break up the family? I think that they can continue and that non-valesters simply need to know how to set peace between them to give uh, to respect everyone to respect each other, show love and connection, and not to make religion stand out as the main thing that determines the relations between them. Anyone throughout life can change in something regardless in which direction and toward what form. The main thing is not to lose the good connection, the good relations between them, and that they leave all these things in a completely as something completely secondary. If it exists, then yeah, it exists. So what? If one of them likes fish and the other doesn't eat fish at all, can't they be together? It's kind of hard, but still they can. Especially that there are kids, family, household, etc. Therefore, I don't think that here we have some kind of problem. But on condition that we just talk about it nicely and that we teach our generation in a pluralistic way. How do we bridge how do we bridge over the differences? I heard that there is such an organization called Nebaruch where you have all kinds, religious, secular, these, those, and they exist, they gather. So we need to show them, we need to write about it, about how pluralistic we are. Pluralism means that I am capable, I'm willing, and I even like standing the other person who's different than I am. The question is between... If there is such a couple, one's religious, the other is secular, should they deepen the connection, use the gap between them, or should they keep their distance? We connect between us in every possible thing, and in all those things that were opposites, we try not to make them stand out. It's called love covers all crimes. That's it. And here we need to learn how can we even more increase our love for it to cover these very sensitive and non-simple gaps. It's possible. 
Okay, if it's, if it's just a couple and what's between them, it sounds like it's possible to bridge over these things. The problem is when there are kids in the picture, for example, you need to decide how to educate them. Look, theoretically, it's possible to do anything. It's possible to do anything. It's possible to nonetheless build such a family in which the one's religious and the other is secular. It's harder when one is Muslim and the other is uh, Jewish or religious or whatever. Sure, that's harder. So, in, in such cases, then, yeah, probably they get divorced. I don't know. But still, as Balasulam writes, that eventually everyone will connect and all religions, as he says there, they will not separate between everyone, but everyone will know how to exist together. Maybe from a different angle, we see that many new students that start studying the wisdom of Kabbalah can surprise their family with their new hobby. What do you advise those who start studying the wisdom of Kabbalah about how to explain this new thing that they're into? I think that those studying the wisdom of Kabbalah, it's good for them if they can, because usually those that start studying, they become extreme. But I'd recommend them to study the wisdom of Kabbalah such that no one else will feel it's your own private business. Study. The wisdom of Kabbalah doesn't say that you necessarily have to behave externally differently. But it's all an inner matter. That here you're, you're learning, you're, you're studying a new philosophy, a new worldview. So please, suppose like in the university in the meantime, and gradually, gradually you'll understand that it's not important to you what form or in what way does the person next to you exist in? You can't see the world like you do. You're not getting married because uh, you have an identical point in the heart in each of you. Therefore, I think that these things need to be explained. You need to calm these things down. And it doesn't seem to me that all those thousands and thousands of families need to get divorced. Thank you. Next and last item, Arab teachers in the Jewish education system. The education system in Israel has long suffered from intense teacher abandonment. On the other hand, Arab teachers claim that they have difficulty finding work in the field. Following this, the Ministry of Education decided to train teachers from Arab society in order to integrate them into Jewish schools as early as the coming school year. The office is conducting training for 250 teachers a year. Is it correct to integrate Arab teachers into the Jewish education system? I am against it. Against it. Whether you like it or not, a, teach, a child is impressed, receives an impression from his teacher. And if his teacher is an Arab, then the child too comes closer to being an Arab. And then obviously we'll have cases where um, people will convert to Islam. 
convert to Islam? Yeah, of course, the child will want to become an Arab. In terms of professions, too, most of Arab teachers used to teach either Arabic or sports. Now they want to integrate them in all professions. I'm against the entrance of Arab teachers into Jewish education. It's impossible that a teacher, regardless of what subject we're talking about, that he will not be a Jew and that he will give my child an example of belonging to a different nation. It is still a very painful and conspicuous point, and I do not recommend such things. It's forbidden, that's it. As simple as that. But if we agree, then of course the government can, you know, break us apart into all possible shapes. You don't need to hand over and present ourselves as becoming an Arab state or that we're getting rid of any Jewish or Israeli characteristics. You don't need to. You can do it without doing these things. And that's what they're doing. At the end of the day, what does our Jewish-Israeli education system need to understand from the state that we find ourselves in so that Jewish teachers will not leave the system? To raise their salary, as simple as that. As simple as that, raise their salary, steal a bit less. The government needs to steal less and waste it on different circles and other things that are actually related to Arabs, to invest more in Jews. And if the Arabs want to, they can go to other countries and there find a better situation for themselves. Thank you. Thank you. We've adjourned, actually. Excellent. Good. Good luck to you. Only write it in a good and nice way, right? So that it will be accepted and no one will come to beat me up. All the best to you.